guys, it's Landon from LandonBlake.com, and this is episode 2023-01 of the Putting Your Business on the Map podcast. So, appreciate you guys tuning in, or downloading the podcast, or listening to the podcast on YouTube. What are we talking about in this episode? In this episode, we are going to talk about the three biggest challenges that I had in the first three years of running my own surveying business. So I say my own, but I have a couple of great partners, Danny Connell and Brian Leeser. Uh, but we're going to talk about some of the challenges that we've had our first three years. So our three-year anniversary is actually next month, is in February. So I thought about um, doing this this podcast, kind of looking back at the last, last three years and, and just talking a little bit about what our three biggest challenges were. Well, there's been a ton of challenges, not just three. Uh, but I tell people, um, you know, running a running a business is the hardest thing I ever uh, I've ever done. Uh, I used to tell people being married was the hardest thing I'd ever done, <laughs> and I have a good wife. Uh, but marriage is is definitely a challenge. Uh, but I think running this business has been even harder than than trying to maintain a happy marriage. So it takes like a happy marriage, it takes a lot of work. Um, so, uh, you know, I expected there to be some challenges uh, before I started. I thought I knew what some of those challenges were, uh, but a lot of the challenges have surprised me, and I can tell you that I have uh, learned a ton the last three years, and I've grown, and I hopefully, I think, I've grown as a, as a person and as a manager and as a leader the last three years from the things I've learned. So I want to talk about some of those challenges. Um, so we're going to talk about my top three for the last three years. Uh, maybe we'll do some more. Uh, some more episodes on some of the other challenges of running a small business, but I'm going to tackle the big three in this one. Um, and I don't think these are unique to our business. Uh, I've talked to some other uh, business owners and they, they share some of these big three ch challenges. So the first one is finding good clients. Uh, the second one is managing cash flow. And the third one is dealing with the cesspool of quote unquote professional practice in land surveying. So those those have been the three biggest challenges for us. Uh, so we're going to take those one at a time in this episode and, and talk about them. Um, and then, you know, depending on how things pan out, maybe we'll, we'll do some separate episodes that just go into those, uh, each of those challenges kind of on their own. All right, so the first, the, the first challenge I had uh, written down here was finding good clients. So uh, that is certainly a very, uh, very challenging thing to do. Um, as a business owner, and I, I think one of the things that makes that kind of a, uh, an, uh, especially, an especially big challenge for Redefine Horizons is we are not like every surveying company. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're not like a lot of the other small survey-only shops. Uh, we are more like a mid-sized civil engineering and surveying company, even though we don't, uh, that we don't have civil engineering in-house. And so uh, we don't typically do lot surveys. We, we don't compete kind of on the bottom end of the survey market. And so having quality clients is really important for us. Uh, the other reason that's important is because uh, we pay uh, above market wages and we do a ton of training. And that, that means that I, we can't operate on the razor thin profit margins uh, that you have to operate on when you don't have good clients. So uh, having good clients is really important for us to be able to sustain the kind of business that, that we want to run. So um, 
this is this challenge has been I, I think one of my biggest surprises in running the business and there there have been other surprises both good and bad this has been one of the bad surprises uh, so here's what I thought when I when I started the company three years ago I thought um, you know almost all commercial real estate transactions in the United States are completed without the benefit of a survey uh, that's a really horrible thing you know we're talking about uh, trillions of dollars of real estate that trades hands over let's say a 10-year period um, and I, I thought I could just I, I just need to educate uh, people in the market about the value of a good survey you know surveyors aren't good marketers and they aren't good communicators I'm, I, I feel like I'm good at those things all I got to do is get that message out there and I'll have more work than I can do you know I just I need to educate the buyers I need to educate the buyers real estate broker um, and then well, I'll be doing more surveys than 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 I can handle um, and I figured, you know, if I can't convince the buyer or their broker that they need to get a survey, um, then I'll be able to convince the people at the bank because they're they're the ones with their their money on the line. And it turns out of those three premises, so the first premise is that uh, a lot of properties bought and sold without a survey in the United States. The second premise is um, if I could just educate buyers and their brokers, I'd have plenty of work. The third premise was if I could educate the banks, I'd have plenty of work. Turns out only the first premise was true. So it is true that there are a ton of commercial real estate parcels bought and sold in the United States without a good survey or without any survey at all. So that that is true. Uh, but the last two things were not true. So I found that even with a, a really significant education effort um, that I was not able to convince uh, buyers or real estate brokers that a good survey was worth the money. And uh, I, I've been pretty unsuccessful at trying to convince bank, banks of that. Um, there's some different reasons for that. Um, we can we can talk about those in a different episode. I think it's it's worthy of its of its own episode. That doesn't mean that I've given up. I, we still try and educate. Part of part of how we do that is through the YouTube channel uh, that we have, Redefined Horizons Learning, um, and we still try and educate uh, potential clients when they call. But it, it's it's been really difficult, uh, way more difficult than I thought to sell a quality survey. Um, it's it's almost impossible to get a real estate broker to uh, care about the quality of a survey. Uh, they're they're typically only worried about getting the cheapest price they can find. I think in three years I've only done two surveys um, for for commercial real estate brokers, and that was in spite of a, a pretty large marketing effort on my part to reach out to the local local real estate brokers in the communities where we do business. So that's been disappointing and frustrating. I think I understand why that is now. They just they just have some pretty warped financial incentives. We'll talk about that in a different podcast, but um, haven't been able to do that. Um, and you know, the, the, the short version uh, with the banks is, you know, a lot of people at the banks don't don't understand how to read a survey. They don't understand the risk that's involved if they get if they make a loan on a parcel with with boundary land title problems. So. It's it's just it, that's been an uphill struggle. Uh, it's been hard to, to, to sell quality boundary surveys. Oh, I, almost impossible. <laughs> it's been almost impossible. So, part of how we've dealt with that is we've found other ways to provide value, and we we've pivoted to some different markets. We do still occasionally do uh, surveys for commercial real estate transactions. I would say you know in in a normal economy, whatever that means, maybe one a month, maybe one every couple of months. But certainly not as many as I, as I thought we were going to do. So uh, what I've realized is 80%, maybe 90% of the market for uh, boundary survey cares only about getting the lowest price. Um, 
and we're never the lowest price. There's there's always guys that are willing to cut corners on boundary surveys, and so it's just it's very hard for us to compete in that market. Uh, the other thing I found is you know it's really easy for for uh, low big clients to to get paired up with uh, bottom feeder clown show surveyors. Um, so for every company like mine, I think that's trying to do a good job. There's you know there's nine companies that that will do a land title survey or an alt survey for twenty two hundred bucks. Which in which in my mind is almost impossible. Um, so there's just there, there's just there's so many bottom feeders um, in the surveying community um, that it, it's just it's very very difficult to compete in that market. Um, so and we'll talk about that later. You know why why are there so many bottom feeder surveyors? Why will surveyors work for starvation wages? I have some theories on that that we could talk about in a different episode. So I, uh, um, the the positive side of that kind of nasty surprise. So the nasty surprise was it was almost impossible for me to, to sell a quality boundary survey. The positive side of that is, you know, we've got, we do have some good clients. Uh, I wish we had more, but we, but we have a handful. You know, I have, I have between three and three and five really good clients, repeat business, good work. Um, and th those clients have, have come from unexpected sources. So I've been surprised, a, a little bit surprised at the role serendipity has played. Um, you know, just randomness, just bumping into the to the to the right people, and you know, having a good reputation and doing good work has led to some repeat re, repeat clients. Um, I can't take credit. I don't think for the good clients that we have. Uh, I think most of that was the was the result of serendipity. Uh, I mean, we do we do we do a lot of marketing more than your average survey company, and we try and understand you know the value our value proposition, what makes us unique, and I think that's important to, to finding those clients, but. Uh, I've definitely had to pivot the business more than more than I anticipated three years ago, and uh, and we've realized it's it's just really hard. It's really hard to sell a good boundary survey. So uh, that's that's our number one challenge, I think, as a business. Uh, it's just hard to find good clients, and and even if you find a, a a client that's in the right you know industry with the right budget that understands the value you provide, you know, a lot of clients um, are just not good people. You know, uh, a large portion of human society uh, does not have a, a ton of redeemable qualities. And so, you know, that that's reflected in business just like it is in any other human endeavor. Um, and so, I'm, you know, we've learned to, to be picky. I don't need to work for everybody that walks in the front door. You know, I probably only want to work for 10% of those people that walk in the front door, maybe 20%. It's a small number. It's, it's way less than half for sure. So that's been a challenge for us. Uh, the, the second challenge on our list was uh, managing cash flow. So that's been a, you know, definitely number two. Uh, that's our second biggest challenge the last three years. So if you've never run a business, you may not, you may not understand what that means. What does it mean to manage cash flow? So, um, so let me try and explain that. So typically our problem is not revenue. In other words, uh, we typically have enough enough uh, money being earned to keep the business solvent. In other words, our expenses are are almost always less than our revenue, um, and that's because you know we we we've tried to keep the company the right size. Um, so that you know, if we go out of business, and I can't rule that possibility out. If if we go out of business, it prob if we became insolvent, it probably wouldn't be because we didn't have work. Um, it, it, it be because we didn't have cash and those things are different. So 
you know, revenue is the amount of, of work you have coming in the door that will pay at some point, right? There's You can assign a dollar value to that, and we do that. We have a forecast that gives us an idea, of, okay, over the next 90 days, how much money do we have coming in based on work that's under contract or high-confidence work that we proposed on. Now, I can show you guys that, and we can talk about it in another episode. Okay, so that's revenue. That is not money in the bank, okay? So money earned is not money in the bank. So when, you, when I talk about having a cash flow problem, that means... Even though you you have revenue or you've earned money, you don't have the money you need in your checking account to pay for today's bills, right? That is a cash flow problem. That's a cash flow pinch, right? And the, and the main reason that happens is, you know, your bills come pretty regularly every month. Cash flow tends to be lumpy, what, what we call lumpy. So you get a bunch of money at one time. And we, we do a lot of different things to try and, try and reduce the lumpiness of our cash flow. We can talk about that in a different episode, but it's still a major challenge. So, uh, you know, having enough money in the checking account to make payroll and pay bills at the, you know, having that money at the right time is, is one of our big challenges. And part of that's just related to, you know, part of it's the nature of the business. And part of that's just related to uh, getting people to pay their bills on time. Uh, it is a nightmare to get people to pay their bills on time. And in fact, when I, when I started out, we were pretty conservative about, um, doing work without a deposit and extending clients that we didn't know lines of credit. I think we were more conservative than your typical survey firm. I will tell you over the last three years, we've gotten even more conservative. So even though we started out with some, some pretty strict rules that we followed when it, when it came to payment and lines of credit for clients, um, I've gotten more strict and that's just because we've been burned. Um, we haven't had that many bills not get paid. We've only had a couple bills in three years not get paid, but one of them was big. One of them was almost a $20,000 bill. And uh, we have had a lot of bills paid late. And so um, we've just, we've learned to be more careful about that. You know, when clients pay bills late, um, that causes major cash flow problems. And so we'll, we can talk in another episode about, you know, what are you, some things you can do to try and reduce the lumpiness of your cash flow, kind of, kind of manage that cash flow. Um, so we don't we don't have a, a, a giant line of credit here at, at my business uh, to cover cash flow pinches, um, and we, we don't uh, we don't have investor money, so we you know we didn't go out and get venture capital. Um, so we, we we essentially run the business with almost zero debt. It's it's not quite zero, but it's pretty close. Um, and so uh, we have to live on the money that we've got coming in the door every month, right? And so that that's one of the reasons why cash flow um, cash flow is a problem. Like I said, I think we do better than most survey companies about cash flow, but it's it's still a major challenge. All right, so that brings us to the third challenge of the a third big challenge of the last uh, three years, and that has that just has to do with the low standards of professional practice in surveying. We talked about that a little bit already in the episode, but you know, I call it the cesspool of professional practice. And um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of surveyors out there doing shoddy work, either because they're ignorant or because they just don't care. Um, and I and uh, I see most of this in boundary surveying. Um, it happens in in other parts of the of the industry, but especially with boundary surveying, that's because boundary surveying is hard to understand and it's easy to cut corners. And so there's a there's a lot of uh, surveyors that do that. Um, you know, I, it. It's such a widespread problem that it makes me embarrassed to be a professional land surveyor, um, and it, I think it goes to show that our licensing model is somewhat broken. Uh, you know, I don't know. If I had to put a number on, I'd say 70% of 
the, the licensed surveyors in Central California that I compete with shouldn't be doing boundary surveying. Uh, that's a pretty high number. It's a pretty high number. So uh, that's been a real struggle. Um, you know, I, I believe in the free market. And, you know, I'm a free market kind of guy. I have a little bit of a libertarian streak in me because I grew up in, in northwest Montana. And, you know, I think the market sorts that stuff out uh, uh, to some degree. Um, and, you know, clients that, that want low bid, uh, low bid surveys get what they pay for, right? Um, and I talk to a lot of those people in my business. You know, a lot of people call us after they've, they've been through a low bid surveyor. In fact, we just got done doing a, a job for a, a gal in Southern California. She'd been through two low bid surveyors. I was the third surveyor that she hired finally to, to get the job done right. So the market does, does sort some of that stuff out, but it's really hard. Uh, there's widespread lying and fraud. Uh, there's widespread breaking of the rules, and it, it makes it hard if you're a land surveyor trying to run an honest business, and we try and do that here. You know, We try and put our clients' interests first. Uh, we try and you know be people of integrity, and we try and follow the law, and that's really hard. And so two of the things that make that really hard in, in California and, and these, this might be different depending on the state that you're in. But uh, So we have two things that we are mandated by law to do. Uh, one is monument preservation when there's a construction project. And the second is we have to file a record of survey maps if we hit certain triggers. And the record of survey map review process in California is largely broken and dysfunctional. So that can be a very expensive thing to do. And, uh, you know, most of the time the client doesn't care if those two things get done. Those are government mandates that I have as a licensed land surveyor that, that don't really impact the client. And so what happens is I'm trying to cover the cost of those two aspects of every project because I want to follow the law. And a lot of my competitors just don't. They just don't do it. They don't do Montprez and they don't file records of survey map. And so, you know, uh, those costs can be significant. Uh, they could be, you know, on a, on a smaller job, they could be 30% to 40% of the price of a survey. And that makes it really hard to compete, right? It's one of the reasons why I can't sell a boundary survey. We talked about that uh, earlier when we talked about challenge, uh, the first challenge. So. Uh, you know, when I when I was younger, you know, I would I would call up when I found licensed surveyors that, that were breaking the rules. I would call them. I would try and educate, um, and I just found that that basically doesn't work. I think most most of my competitors already know the rules. They're very well aware of what the rules are, and they just don't care. They've got a strong financial incentive not to follow the rules, and most of the time, education isn't going to fix that. Now, I will occasionally call a new LS. So if I get a if I get a newer LS, I can tell from the license number. Sometimes I will make that phone call, but if if I've got a guy that's been licensed longer than me and he's breaking the rules, man, I don't even call that guy anymore. I just turn him into the licensing board. He knows better. Um, so that that's a challenge, and I think our ability to, to really fix that problem, my ability to fix that problem, is is going to be limited. Um, so as I mentioned before, you know, one of the things I've done is I don't sell as many boundary surveys as as, as I want to. Um, I found other areas where I can provide value to my clients uh, because it's just hard to sell an honest. It's hard to sell a boundary survey and follow the law. That's just the reality of the business. And um, you know, there, we, we do still do boundary surveys occasionally, and there are things we do to try and stay competitive. But it, but it's certainly a challenge. And like I said, you know, your average survey company has some really powerful financial incentives to break the law, right? And so that makes it extremely hard to complete. To compete and you know those licensed professionals are not honest right they're committing fraud they're they're doing things that are illegal and i'm not going to run that kind of business right and so one of the things that's hard for us at our company my partners and i is um, you know we'd rather go out of business than than break the law and, and be dishonest and fraudulent um, so if those are our two choices you know uh, let this business fold up or do what everybody else does we'll fold up
you know, it's kind of like being in baseball, you know, and being the one, the one player that's not on steroids, right? Uh, it's really hard to compete in that environment. You know, so what do most players do? Most players take steroids too, so they can compete. It's really hard to be the one player, you know, in the league that's not on the juice, right? And so it's hard to be the one surveyor, you know, in this part of Central California that's, that's trying to follow off. It's a real challenge. So there you go. I'm uh, trying to keep these podcast episodes to 20 minutes or less. So just to review, the three biggest challenges of our first three years in business were finding good clients, number one, managing cash flow, number two, and number three, the cesspool of professional practice and land surveying, just dealing with the guys that, that break the law and are dishonest. So there are uh, lots of other challenges. If you're feeling uh, unchallenged in your life, I encourage you to start a small business that will solve that particular problem. <laughs> so we'll talk in some more episodes, excuse me, some more episodes about some of the other challenges that, that we faced here at Redefined Horizons in our, our first three years and how we've tried to deal with some of those. And we'll try and follow up on with some more episodes on some of the specific topics that, that we mentioned in this first episode that, that deserves some more attention. So appreciate you guys listening. Uh, check us out on our, and um, check out the podcast webpage on landonblake.com and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. And uh, we, we hope to uh, catch you guys on the next episode.